The cross has spoken. The empty tomb has spoken. And what they speak to us is life. Not simply our hope, our living hope. And Lord, because you live, one day we too shall live. And we so look for that day, but while it is yet light here, keep our hands to the task. Keep us busy about the work. Crop is not yet brought in. The harvest is not yet complete. May today be the day that it is added to as we look into your word, as we continue to praise your name through Jesus Christ, our living hope. Amen. Please be seated. He is risen. A year ago at this time, I was preaching to a video camera, my wife, Dan and Laura. <laughs> and now we are full on this day. What a wonderful day this is. You know, human beings are unique in all of the animal kingdom in that we are the only beings who uh, have a Awareness, a self-awareness of our own existence. I mean, certainly we're the only beings that have the imago Dei, the image of God. And what I mean by that is that we have the ability to comprehend ourselves. I mean, even from an early age, we begin to realize that our thinking and our feeling and our, our thought processes are different from those around us. Very early we distinguish that we're different from squirrels. Very early we figure out there's something about us that is not shared by the rest of the animal kingdom. And that quality, at a minimum, causes or should cause awe in us because we are able to comprehend the vastness of space and the material universe, yet it has no comprehension of us. We can sit and contemplate the majesty of the lions on the savannah, but the lions have no notion of Sugarland, Texas. Sorry if that disappoints you. But nevertheless, they do not comprehend in the way that we do. And that understanding is a marvelous thing. Just last night, Barbara and I were sitting outside enjoying the evening, and she said, did you see that? And I said, what? And she said, a, a meteor, a bright meteor just flashed across the sky. And of course, I was looking at my phone. I missed the meteor. <laughs> but the thing is this. The thing is, is that when you see something that is magnificent, that's beautiful, that's incredible, that, that sparks a memory that you had, you immediately, reflexively, and automatically turn to see if there's someone to share it with. And God has placed that in us because even if no one is there, you can turn to God and say, you did that. You wanted me to see that, didn't you? And he answers, I, I, I made that just for you. 
I put that moment there so that we could share it together. Do you understand that? If we have any comprehension that God is being collegial with us, that is an amazing thing. Because God put that part into us that we are able to share an understanding of the universe that only He has. And obviously we don't fully understand it by any means, but we can enter into it. And in its perfections, that quality was unequaled. But Adam sinned. And mankind fell into a lost estate. And we were left in need of a Savior. We were those who died in our trespasses and our sins without the ability to save ourselves, without the ability to redeem ourselves. We needed someone to save, someone to redeem. But that awe in part remains present. I felt it while we were singing. I felt it at some points during the worship service. I wish it could stay with us. Sometimes it's fleeting. Sometimes it stays longer. But there is something else other than that awe that accompanies us. And it is a deep and profound sadness a disquiet that everything is not right, a sense that we no longer wholly belong to God, but you know what? We don't wholly belong to these shadow lands, as C.S. Lewis called them. Alongside that awe, we feel and experience and sense something much less inspiring, something more sinister, and it's this sense of dread that we feel as we have was spoken of many times this morning already, death. Death surrounds us. It's all around us. That awareness comes to us and it can be devastating. When we were young, and some of you are yet young, we have wonderful energies, right, that can just, just push it aside at a glance. Just get out of my way. I'm invincible. I am okay. As we age, those powers to push it aside tend to diminish. And yet I believe this, at least in part, is what causes post-traumatic stress disorder in the young men and women who are forced to see the full reality of death in war. Those energies that we have to push it aside can be consumed in a moment. There's nowhere to go, nowhere to hide. It is as Frodo said, I can't recall the taste of food, nor the sound of water, nor the touch of grass. I'm naked in the dark. There's nothing, no veil between me and the wheel of fire. I can see him with my waking eyes. That's not something any 20-something should say. Tolkien's metaphor was that of young, innocent people going to war and being changed forever. You may say, John, why on this day, the day, the highest celebration on the Christian calendar, the day we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, would you take us down a path of death? 
That doesn't make any sense. We're celebrating life. Well, one glance at Matthew 28 will give you the reason. In fact, the first verse does. You have your Bibles or your text in electronic form. Please turn to Matthew 28 and look at verse 1. And what we read in Matthew 28, verse 1, is now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Really? They went to see the tomb? (laughs) That's a euphemism. You know what a euphemism is, right? Eu is the Greek prefix that means good. So we have eulogy, eulagos, okay, good word. We have eustress. Some of you may experience that. Most of us experience distress. But eustress is good stress. And euthanasia, which is not good, but comes from euthanatos, meaning good death. A euphemism, then, is a substitution of a word or phrase with something more agreeable, with something less painful, with something less potentially offensive than one is actually referring to. They didn't go to see the tomb. They went to see the body of Jesus Christ and to prepare it properly for burial. Mark 16 and Luke 24 tell us that the women were bringing spices early that morning. You know, and it was early. Uh, the scripture is very clear about that. It was, it was, literally, it was at the breaking of the dawn. They, in other words, they were already on the path while it was still dark and you could only see the glow in the east as, a, as the sun came up. They only had enough light to walk. And the, the garden was cool, you might not think so, but in uh, Jerusalem at this time, of the year, the average morning temperatures hovers somewhere around 50 degrees. The air was cool. They walked slowly along with these um, urns, uh, these pots, clay pots that they had the spices in. And they were walking sadly and slowly, speaking in hushed tones. Their faces weighed down by grief. I mean, they were still stunned from the last 72 hours. You have to see this. It was only with sheer determination and a sense of duty and love that they were able to make this little trip at all to prepare the body of Jesus for his final rest. And even though they had heard him speak many times of his death, They did not expect him to die. None of them did. The disciples did not. If they had heeded the word of Jesus Christ, where would they have all been that morning? Come on, Jesus. We're at the tomb. Rise. And it wouldn't be at their command, but the command of God. That's not where they were at. They were hiding. They heard, but they did not understand. And now their hopes and dreams are dashed. Now 
the two Marys as they walk along were likely thinking that we thought he was the Messiah. But now he's simply a loving, compassionate, wonderful man. Now they had to look for another. If he was not the Messiah, who could possibly be? But something would soon happen that would change all of that, their thinking. Their sadness was about to be turned to joy. But I don't want us to arrive there too soon. I don't. I don't. We skip over Friday and we skip over Saturday and we go straight to the resurrection and that's what we try to do in our lives every day. We think that there's something bad and something wrong about suffering. My friends, there's not. It's part of God's design in how He makes us into the people that He wants us to be. So I want to linger for just a moment. Too soon we seek resurrection. And when we do that, when we short-circuit the suffering, what we end up doing is failing to fully understand the power of the resurrection. Most of us spend our lives learning how to live, but we spend zero time learning how to die. We push it from our hearts. We push it from our minds. Some of you, even at this moment, may be deeply uncomfortable that I'm even speaking of death openly. Like it's a funeral or something. But it is with us. It surrounds us. It permeates our thinking and our actions, even if we're not consciously aware of it. It was early on the afternoon of January 26 in 2009 that I was teaching a class at the Air Force Chaplain Corps College when one of my colleagues came and motioned me to come out. I had an emergency phone call. And, of course, as I'm going to the phone, I'm thinking, what's, what's happened to my wife? What's happened to my daughters? And when I picked up the phone, my brother Steve simply said, Joshua's dead. And I said, oh, God, no. Joshua was the only boy who ever called me dad. I have three daughters. And that was by mistake, <laughs> but it's okay. Michelle and Joshua, I mean, Steve and I look so much alike, especially back in the day that Michelle and Joshua, the two cousins, could be, could be twins. But one time when we were visiting there, I drove to pick up Steve uh, from the pharmacy, and uh, Joshua was in the front seat with me. And as Steve walked out of the store, Joshua said, Hey, Daddy, there's Dad. <laughs> Josh was on his second combat tour in Iraq. He had over 180 combat flying hours. Steve said he was flying a mission over Kirkuk when he went down. The official army release said this, On the 25th of January, 2019, at approximately 10.30 p.m., a scout weapons team from the 6th Squadron, 6th U.S. Cavalry Regiment, comprised of two H 0858D Kiowa helicopters, were on an aerial reconnaissance mission in support of Iraqi Freedom 
in the Kirkuk province of multinational division north. During the conduct of the mission, the scout weapons teams, call signs adversary 22 and adversary 11, were engaged by enemy forces, hit by a surface-to-air improvised explosive device, and the crash resulting in the death of all four aviators. I tell you that not simply to remind us of death, but this took another step. As an officer in the United States Air Force, I was able to do something that most people are not. I served as Josh's special escort officer as we went from Fort Dover to Portland, Oregon, where Josh was laid to rest. I could speak for hours about that journey. Uh, it began in the dark of the night at Dover with snow falling as we loaded his flag-covered casket into the back of a Learjet. I sat in the back with Josh, but that's another journey. One of my duties near the end of this entire process, the duty of the escort officer, was to open the casket to ensure that everything was in order. Lying on top of Josh's immaculately wrapped body was the most carefully prepared uniform I had ever seen, perfectly, tenderly, and lovingly assembled. It was that particular moment of that particular episode, the most tragic honor of my life. What you, I want you to understand is that at least in some form, that's what the women were going to do. They were not celebrating. They were not happy. They were grieved. They were mourning. They were ensuring his body was immaculately prepared for burial. They were devastated. Frankly, I believe, have come to the opinion that until we have been devastated, we cannot fully appreciate the meaning of what was about to happen. Because as they walked there, something was amiss. Where was the stone? Where was the body? Suddenly, Matthew tells us, there was an earthquake. And there was a bright light that shone before them. The guards fell as dead. The women fell. And the angel who was there said, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Hallelujah. He is risen. And because He lives, we too shall live. John fourteen nineteen says, Yet a little while and the world will see Me no more. But you will see Me. Because I live, you too will live. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 reads, Since therefore the children share in flesh and, blush, uh, flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, 
that is the devil, and deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. The only reason you're not afraid of death, if you're not afraid of death, is because you haven't looked it right in the eye yet. That's the only reason. And the only way you can look death right in the eye and come out on the good side is because you know Jesus Christ has already been there, done that, risen from the dead, and we who believe will follow. While we join these women at the empty tomb on Easter, you know, I mean, their journeys began at a minimum three years before that. Matthew uh, tells them, because their life was changed, they went to do this act of love, and he says, quickly, quickly, go tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. I don't know if any of you have thought carefully about the events of this past week as it relates to biblical history. I don't know if during this past week you have encountered Jesus. If you have not, or if you have, do not let today pass you by. Trust Christ and be raised with Him in life, forever. Father, we are simply amazed in your presence. It is difficult for us to understand. No, it's impossible for us to understand what you and your son went through on the cross. But Lord, we can have some notion of what happened at the resurrection. Because all of us who have trusted Christ as our Savior have been filled with an unspeakable joy. Fleeting though it may have been, come and go though it may now, we feel it. We know, we experience it, and we long for the day when it will be eternal with us. And so, Lord, as in the next few moments we witness what this entire day has been about from top to bottom in symbolic form, may our hearts be open to you in all your ways, we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.